But tonight, I, I want to talk to you, the title of the message, let your yes be yes or no be no. I'm going to ask you to Numbers, chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. Go with me to Numbers 31 through 5, and stand for me, uh, with me for the reading of the word. So the, the word of our Lord here says, Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. Uh, he shall do according to all the proceeds out of his mouth. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself to some agreement while her, in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself, and her father holds his peace, then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement uh, with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will release her because her father overruled her. So open up our hearts, Lord God. We're here looking at, Lord, your word being your word. The promises we make, commitments we make, vows we make, Lord God. Lord God, you've called us to be a people of truth and not to be people of deception or lies and that we would, Lord, keep the vows we've made and be faithful to them in honoring you, Lord God, and in truly, Lord God, uh, being an example of Yeshua who kept his promises right to the cross and beyond. So, Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So verses 1 and 2, a, a man makes a vow, a man swears an oath, a man makes a promise, a man makes a commitment. Uh, he is to keep it. When you go to verses 3 through 5 that I just read to you, now it talks to about a woman. A woman makes a vow, and in the case of it being a young woman in her dad's home, she's made a vow, and dad is the leader of the home, and dad looks, dad looks maybe... I'll give you an example. We put this in modern terms. You got a 17-year-old, 18-year-old daughter. She goes out and she buys a car and signs off on it. And she comes home and she tells dad, and the payment is $800. Well, the kid only makes $400 a month. Dad can overrule it, okay? That's, that's the modern-day picture of what the Scripture is saying. It goes on in the following verses, okay, which, which I have not read to you, of a married woman who can also be overruled by her husband, uh, again, who the leader of the home. And then he talks about widows and the divorce and w with the vows they make. So, again, th this is about making a vow and keeping your word. So, if you go with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the third commandment, and most of the time when we think of this, we think of somebody just, you know, using the Lord's name in vain. Okay, you know, they stub their toe and, you know, they, they say Jesus, right? They use Jesus' name or they, you know, say God, you know, the, the damn word. So it says here, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So using, again, and swearing with the Lord's name, that's taking his name in vain. But using and taking the Lord's name in vain is taking a vow making a promise, right, saying, you know, I swear, right, on whatever you swear on, right, I swear on my mother's grave, or I swear in the name of God, and with no intention of keeping it. 
Do you understand? Deuteronomy 23.21 When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for it would be sending you, and the Lord your God will surely require it from you. He holds us accountable for promises, uh, commitments, right? Vows that we make in Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. Now watch, and has not sworn deceitfully. To swear deceitfully is to make a vow, an oath, okay, or a commitment with no intention of fulfilling it. You follow me? That's the, 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 central, the central theme here. Person, you know, makes a vow and they have no intention of being faithful and following through with their vow. Zechariah chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, it gets a little serious here. Then he said to me, this is the curse that is going forth over the face of the whole land. Surely everyone who steals will be purged away according to the writing on one side. And everyone who swears will be purged away according to the writing on the other side. I will make it go forth, declares the Lord of hosts, and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name, and it will spend the night within that house and consume it with its timber and stones. Again, this is a person who makes a promise, makes a vow, right? Makes some kind of commitment, makes some type, they swear to something, again, with no intention of keeping it. So they are not, these are not promise keepers. These are promise breakers. And God says that he will deal with them. There was a, a purging that will be done. So throughout the Old Testament, again, you, you see this theme. I'm hitting on just a handful of verses. You come to the New Testament, you come to the Sermon on the Mount, and what does Jesus say, right? Again, he, he takes the wideness of the 613 commandments of Moses, and he narrows them. And he narrows everything down to Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? Matthew 5.33, again, that you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. What is Jesus referring to here? He's referring to the third commandment. He's referring to Numbers chapter 30. He's referring to Zechariah chapter 5. He's referring to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Again, taking, taking that the law, right, and he narrows it. And you see that. What does Jesus do? He does that throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Do not commit adultery. He narrows it down. That if you're thinking adulterous thoughts with your mind, you've already committed adultery. Do not murder. What does he do? You're thinking about murdering somebody, right? Slandering them, destroying them with words. You've, you've then, again, narrowed it down to murder. So here he's narrowing down the taking of oaths, swearing, okay, making promises to this very, again, simple principle, right? You shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. What is he saying? Keep your word. Keep your promises. Keep your commitments, right? Keep the oaths that you have taken. He goes on in verse 34, but I say to you, do not swear at all. Now, some have interpreted this to mean that a Christian should not take an oath, okay, in a court of law. 
That's not what the Lord is talking about. Dante, you have to do that. You give somebody a ticket, you have to go in court, say, I, you know, I, I testify, you put your hand on the Bible, which is kind of ludicrous today in the time we live in, since nobody really believes in the Bible. But I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And, um, but that's, that is not, so there have been Christians, well, I, I can never take an oath in the court of law. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking here about taking an oath with no intention of keeping it. Do you understand? That, that's, that's the theme here. People are making promises, they are making commitments that they have no intention of keeping. So they're, they're essentially meaningless. They're, uh, the oath is meaningless. The promise is meeting, you know, meaningless, right? The commitment is meaningless. So look at, just to, to show you again, where people say, well, we're, we're not to, you know, take oaths, we're not to swear. Hebrews 6.13. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. He broke the commandment. <laughs> and then Psalm 110 verse 4, the Lord has sworn, I will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So, you know, just to, to help you to understand, because when, when I have taught on the third commandment through the years, I've had people in the church and say, oh, no, 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 Pastor Frank, we, we are, we're not to take oaths. We're not to go into a court of law and, and take an oath. Jesus goes on, verse 34 to 36, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your own head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Now, he's addressing the Pharisees here. The Pharisees were experts at loopholes. They were... Experts at manipulating God's word. So what, what this is saying, what the Pharisees would do, they would swear, right, by heaven. Not by God's name. They would not swear by Yahweh. They would swear by heaven. And that was the loophole for them to get out, right, of their promise, of their commitment. They would swear by God's throne. They would swear by the earth, they would swear by Jerusalem. They would swear by their own head. And that gave them loopholes. So they're making all of these commitments and promises and taking oaths and vows with no intention of keeping them. That's just a, a totally, it leads to, a, I mean, it's a totally corrupt system of people just, again, they just break their promises. They break their vows. They break their oaths. Now, just to, to understand a loophole, it's a gap in law, a small mistake or omission in a rule or law that allows it to be circumvented. It allows them to escape, right, to be able to get around the very law of God. You know what we have today in the church and in churches, sometimes when I, when I pick on the church, I'm not always picking on you guys. I just want to pick on the church as a whole. And the church that I really know as a whole is the church in America, which I believe is, has a lot of flaws. I was saying to someone today, I am much more critical on the church than I am in the world. They don't know any better. So was Jesus. Jesus was much more critical on the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes than he was on the tax collectors and the sinners who you know, were gathering around him. And again, they just, they're blinded by the devil. They don't know any, but we're supposed to know better. So I am far more critical 
on, on, you know, on the church. And by the way, so were the prophets in the Old Testament. They were more you know, critical on the religious leaders than they were on the common people. But what you have today is loophole Christianity. Loophole church people who will come up with all kinds of excuses, right, to excuse away their sin. You ever see Christians who will use the Bible to justify their position, right, rather than adjust their position based upon the Bible, right? So they, they, will, they, will, they will pull verses out of context, take the scripture out of context to use it to ease their guilty conscience, to justify their sins, and again, they will justify lying, they will come up with excuses of stealing, of adultery, of fornication, and justify it, again, through these loopholes. They'll, they'll use loopholes to justify people, right here, if there was ever a time, listen, this world is in the greatest jeopardy right now, and if you don't think America is, if you don't think we can end up in a nuclear war and this country being big, if you don't think that, you are very ignorant of what's going on in the world right now. This is the most dangerous time in my 64 years on planet Earth. And you would think that churches would be filled on a prayer meeting night praying, but they're not. So people will have all types of justifications for neglecting worship, loopholes for not giving, loopholes for not serving. Let me just tell you where loopholes, loopholes, when you become a loophole Christian, you want to learn this. This is some great deep theology. When you become a loophole Christian, your loopholes will put you into the poop hole. Did you get that? Did you translate that for her in Spanish? <laughs> You're going to get in the poop hole with God. And, and he, will, he will discipline you. He will, he will judge you. And that's something that he will do. So again, taking oaths making vows, making promises with no intention, right, of keeping them, right? You've seen this, right? When we were kids, right? You know, right? With, I swear, right? I, I, I swear. I swear to do that. I promise. I, 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 I mean, it's some of us, you know, I mean. Yeah, kids, kids stuff. But it's, it's, again, it's making a promise with no intention of keeping it. So again, Jesus narrows it. Matthew 5, 37, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. What does that mean? Be a person of integrity. Be a person of character. Be a person of honesty. Mean what you say and say what you mean let your yes be yes and your no be no. Who repeats this in the epistles? James. James, Dante, good. James 5.12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, 
with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Same thing. Be a person of integrity. Be a person of character. Be a person of honesty. Mean what you say and say what you mean. I want to show you just... I came across, I came across these studies on people with lying and breaking their vows and their promises. According to a, a study uh, by the University of Massachusetts, 60% of people can't go 10 minutes without lying. That's wild. I know some of those people. There's a, there's a skit, a Saturday Night's Live skit of um, these two guys, these two brothers, and they lie. It's a very clean skit too, but they lie, and they just they just lie. Like they go home to visit mom for Christmas, and you know they're like the presidents of companies. They're making ten million dollars a year. You know they're 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 they're, dri they're driving Rolls Royces, but you know they couldn't get their Rolls Royce because it broke down, so they're in their beat up old Chevy. But it's it's just funny. But these people, there are people who just let me tell you, they lie like they breathe. They just it's just habitual lying. Every week, Americans tell 11 lies. A study by the University of Virginia found that people lie more often over the phone than face-to-face. -face. Why do you think that is? Because when, when you're with someone, and you know, I, can, I can read people. You see people lying? I can just pick it up in seconds. There's different things that are going on with their, with their eyes, their facial expressions, and they can get away with it on the phone. Another study found that people um, lie more to strangers than to friends or family members. Why? Because family members know more about you. Men and women lie equally, but about different things. Men are more likely to lie about their achievements, while women are more likely to lie to protect someone's feelings. When I'm talking to men, and a man says to me that he bench presses 300 pounds, what I do is I usually reduce it by about 33%. I know he's only bench pressing 200 pounds. I'm serious. When, when a man says to me, oh, I make, I make $200,000 a year, I usually bring that down to more like $100,000 a year. It's usually they're, they're, they're lying. They're, you know, they're just, they're lying. And women, right, women are more likely to lie to protect someone's feelings. Do you like my new dress? It might be hideous, right? It's hideous. Right? And, and you know, you'll be like, oh, oh well, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's really nice. <laughs> it's still a lie. Children start lying at age two, and by age four, they can lie convincingly. And psychopaths are more skilled at lying than non-psychopaths, according to a study of the University of British Columbia. You mean a psychopathic liar? Then that's the person. They are just lying continuous. And it just again, they just they just lie. It's it's habitual lying. Well, and when you start finding out, you know, you, you realize everything they've told you about them is a is a complete lie. We've had that experience in a very painful way. So, let me share this with you. The most common lies, I forgot. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow when the person has no intention of doing it tomorrow. I am listening. Ladies, do your husbands ever say that to you? <laughs> Women are far better listeners than men. I'm busy then. Right? 
You, you know, well, somebody asked you to, well, you, you, can, you come, can you come to the, the meeting? You know, Tony, you asked me a couple weeks ago, uh, you guys were doing the pizza day. Did you do it? You still haven't done it. Well, maybe I get another invitation to come. But it, Tony asked me to come. But I had, the, I had the bas mitzvah. I went to the bas mitzvah of my neighbor's daughter. I just said, I have a bas mitzvah, right? Just, um, I said, you know, people make up things. I'm, you know, I'm busy. Um, I've got no money. I guess somebody asked you for money. I got stuck in traffic. Um, you just late. I guarantee you stand out front on a Sunday morning when like 20% of the church comes in late and you ask them why they were late, they'd they'd have some of these. I'm not very well. No, you're fine. My phone died. I never got the message. I get that one a lot from people. I never got the message, right? You leave the message. By the way, I, I did have a problem with somebody who sent me a message a few weeks ago. I could not find it. So, but I, I couldn't find it. Uh, I'll try to make it. Well, no intention of trying to make it. Right? What did Yoda say? He said, do or don't do. There is no try, right? And then the last one here, I remember, I, I remember you. You ever somebody come up to you, you don't remember them? I had a guy. He used to come here sit in the back, come in frequently, come late, leave right away. And, you know, I, sometimes you don't know what kind of effect you're having on people. And I was having a good effect on him and that, with what he... But I met him. I was on Kmart. The last Kmart in the world, by the way, is in uh, Westwood. I loved Kmart. And um, was it? It's gone. Oh. <laughs> and Walmart is like miles and miles away. So, so he comes up to me in Kmart, and he goes, Pastor Frank, Pastor Frank. And he goes, you remember me? And I said, no. And sometimes I don't remember people. I just want to say, I'm, I'm to say this cruelly. There are some people that are easy not to remember. I say just, you know, people, like, like again, the guy came very infrequently, would come late, would leave early, never did anything, never, you know, he just, and I think there are some people that are easy to forget. And I, I wasn't going to stand there and say to him, oh, yeah, 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 I remember, you. I didn't, you know, I didn't know where he was, you know, he knew me, I don't know if I knew him from the gym, I knew him from the dojo, I, I, like, where did he wander into my life? But I looked at him and I honestly, and he cried. I, I cried. But I still would have rather have made him cry than have lied to him and said, oh, yeah, I remember you. Integrity. Let me give you, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you about just give you four things. Becoming a person of integrity, again, your yes is yes, your no is no. The word, the word integrity, it, it speaks about having an undivided, your undivided, an undivided mind, an undivided heart, undivided in your, your words, uh, being honest, keeping your word, keeping your commitments, keeping your promises, being a promise keeper. So the first thing here, becoming a person of integrity is being careful giving your word. Sometimes we're careless. We, we, we agree 
to doing things or we make commitments or promises that we know we can't keep. And this, I, I, let me tell you, I've made that mistake, and I made that mistake a lot when I was younger. I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to hurt people's feelings. And people say, well, you know, and, and, you know, pastor, you get invited to everything. You get, you know, years ago, it was like, and people, I think, have come to realize, I can't be everywhere. I'm not, you know, omnipresent. And there's just things that I can't be doing. And I have priorities and commitments that I really live by. So years ago, I'd be like, oh, can you, can you come to my, you know, my child's one-year birthday party? Can you, can, can you come? And, you know, and, and it's my uncle's funeral. You know, will you be there? And, you know, when Cousin Joe has gout up in Angwood Hospital, can you go up there and visit them? And I would sometimes say yes, or I say I try. And you know what? I wasn't able to keep all those kind of people get angry at you. So I learned, I learned that, you know, again, Jesus' words... Let your yes be yes. When you agree to something, you're going to do it, but your no is no, and there's a time to say no. And I do say no a lot. I get asked to do a lot of things here in the church and outside of the church, different ministries, different churches. You come here and you speak, and you come here and do this. And I, 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 I say a lot of no's. And I, I tell you, it's, it saves you. It may, again, it may disappoint them, but it saves you from, again, Losing your character and your integrity. My little granddaughter, Charlotte, was with us this weekend. Charlotte is 20 months. She was here at church with us. And then she spent uh, Saturday and Sunday with us. And sa Saturday, Frankie and Mariah had a wedding, so we watched her. But she's this cute little doll, you know. And I'd say to her, Charlotte, um, could I have a kiss? She'd look at me and say, nope. I say, Charlotte, will you give me a kiss? Yep, and she come right over. And I was amazed at how how deliberate she was in just saying. I mean, and she is just strong. I mean, like a mother and father, just strong-willed and deliberate. And just her yes is no, yes, and her no is no. I said, I gotta mention Charlotte in my sermon this Wednesday. Just be careful giving your word. Second. Becoming a person of integrity is keeping your word. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. And when you give your word, maybe things come up. Maybe there are other commitments. Life happens. Keep your word. Keep your word. At, at times, it's going to hurt. When you have made a promise or a commitment or you have taken an oath or a vow, it's going to hurt to keep your word. Look at um, Psalm 15.4. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. And keeping your promises when it hurts, you know what, sometimes it will cost you time, it will cost you money, it will cost you sleep, and it will cost you effort. But when you make a promise, you keep it. You keep it no matter what. And again, that is a very rare thing in the culture that we live in. Number three, becoming a person of integrity is a state or condition of being whole. The word, the word again, speaks about you know, being complete, integrity, unbroken, undivided, whole. And that brings a sense of peace. People, people without integrity, right again, they're, they're lying. They're promise breakers, right? They're unfaithful. They're unreliable. 
that causes fractures in their own being. It causes fractures in their mind, fractures in their heart. It causes fractures in their uh, emotions. You look at somebody who has no integrity. You see, they're an emotional mess. The word holiness, 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. It repeated over and over again in the scriptures. To be holy is to be set apart, right? It's to be sanctified. It essentially is to be set apart to God and to be different. But it also carries with it a concept, especially in the Hebrew, the Kudash, it carries with it a concept of being whole. To be holy is, is to be whole, to be whole and to be one and unified in spirit and soul and body, to be undivided. All the, the, the parts of it, we, we, are, we are a trichotomy as human beings. We, we have a spirit, we have a mind, a soul, okay, sometimes mind is, is soul, the psyche, and we have a body, a soma. And the idea of those, those three different parts of us really working in harmony. And you know, these systems, the body, the mind, the spirit, they're integrated. They work together harmoniously as a whole. The person, the person of integrity becomes more whole as a human being. Now watch the last one here, number four. Becoming a person of integrity brings wholeness to the marriage, the family, and the church. I do work with a number of, of corporations. And the corporate environment, there is this massive emphasis, especially in recent years, on integrity. And the realization that, that integrity brings a, a level of wholeness to the organization. That in, integrity of the individuals okay, brings wholeness to the, you know, to the team, to the division, to the corporation as a whole. When, when people are deceptive, when people don't keep their promises, they don't keep their commitments, they don't keep their oaths, what it causes, it causes a breakdown in, in, you know, in the corporation. You, know, you can see this, you see this in sports teams. When you, you see sports teams that are, are operating, you know, just, you know, they're operating harmoniously. They're really working together as a unit. There's tremendous respect for the coaches and, you know, for each player. And they're, they're all about the team. They're not about themselves. And when you see teams, you know, you see teams like that, and you see them operating, they, they become championship teams. But you see a lot of teams that, that don't do them, sometimes have great players, but they're, they're divided, they're in opposition to each other, there's a, there's a lot of that tension. You see them, they, they, they don't win. But that, that is something that I see in the corporate world. Now, now, you take this to a marriage, you take it to a family. When you, when you have a husband and wife who have integrity, when you have integrity operating between the parents and the children and the children and the parents, what you'll, you'll have is you'll have a wholeness in that family. When there's a breakdown of integrity in the individuals of the, uh, of the family, okay, the marriage, you have a breakdown. Suddenly you have fracture. Right? You, 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 have, you have separation. You, 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 know, you, you have divorce. At least, it, you know, leads to chaos. And same thing in the church. When you, have, when you have integrity of people, especially, let me say this, in the leadership of the church, the leaders, the servants of the church, you have people who are operating in a level of integrity. And there's character. You, you, the church becomes more whole. Churches, churches where you have a bunch of, you know, the pastor lacks integrity. 
there's a lack of integrity in the elders and, you know, in the different, then you see the church, the church just breaks down. It will, you know, it will crumble. So in, in, integrity, again, it begins with the individual, but then when the individual is operating within the organization, okay, again, it could be the family, could be the marriage, could be, you know, the church, that it, it brings a, a level, again, of wholeness, right? We can rely on each other. We can trust each other. If somebody says they're going to do something, we know that they'll do it. When that's not there, again, there's, there's the breakdown. So in conclusion, right, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Two things that God really requires of us. Just hear me on this. One, I'm going to be preaching on this, talking about the humility of Jesus on Sunday, but God asks us to live humbly before him. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Be prideful, be egotistical, be self-centered. You will separate yourself from God. Pride separates us from God. You know, essentially, pride is a form of resisting God. God will resist the prideful. The second is honesty. God abhors dishonesty. In, in Proverbs chapter 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. And to be, to be honest, to be honest with God, and then to be honest with one another, that brings blessing. Dishonesty brings a curse. So just humility and honesty, two, they're just two key components that the Lord, you know, calls us to, you know, as Christians. And we are to be different, folks, right? We, we, we are, you know, we're, we're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed, we're supposed to be odd. And, and we will appear in a world of pride, in a world of, um, of just... A, a, a total a total lack of honesty when you are honest and you are humble you will appear very different and peculiar to the people around you you'll you'll also see people the people of the world looking in and saying man you're different you're different and i i believe that 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 makes a, a great impression on people Amen?